We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, July 27th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. You know this is a Rotowire podcast, but we're going to do a FoxSports.com reunion. My buddy Ryan Fowler's here with me. Ryan, how are you, bud? Hanging in there, John. I'm I'm hanging in there. I, it's good to talk to you again. It's we're kind of in this alternate universe right now doing this podcast, but uh, we're going to make it work. Uh, we both love fantasy football, so that's a good thing, and uh, definitely a lot to chop up as everybody's in the best shape of their life, myself excluded. Um, but yeah, everything's going great. How about you? Pretty good. We're not going to do an airing of the grievances today, like Frank Costanza, right? We're going to. I don't, I don't think we're legally allowed to. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that, everybody. Sorry, Rotowire. We're not going to go back down. It'll, you know, bad roads. we're going to move. We're moving forward and we're here with doing the Rotowire Fantasy Football we, Podcast. We had. We had awful announcing on the online too there for a second. <laughs> we really did. All right. Um, so I'm looking, I was looking at rankings. And our rankings are, you know, we, we did them together a while back. And I want to revisit. We're going to talk running backs today, everybody. And a question I've asked a couple of times this week to people, and I want to ask you, is David Johnson, Lady M. Bell seem to be a pretty clear one-two. Yeah. And the question I've been asking is, it's always David Johnson one, 
but is it that clear cut? And your the most recent edition of your rankings, which I looked at, had Le'Veon Bell won. Mm-hmm. Are you still Le'Veon Bell over David Johnson? Because that would make you su- not unique, but let's say in the minority. Well, I think as the summer months have played out, and you mentioned my my first iteration of my rankings were done uh, right after the NFL draft, so uh, it's been a minute, and we were going to update them in July. So let's let's have a conversation about this because again. The, the question of Levien versus David Johnson and why, I mean, I, I think you could go back and forth. You might even be able to make a TV show about it where you go back and forth just about them for 15 minutes because yeah. they make such, such strong cases for their value. And again, a lot of my rankings and my analysis when it comes to fantasy football is always going to be PPR. I just, I don't play in enough standard leagues. I, I know people still do. And I know Rotowire uh, covers a lot of bases as it comes to different scoring formats. But for this conversation, I'm going to focus on PPR. They're both valuable in their own right. Yeah. The one thing that, that, gives me pause with Levian um, if we're going to have this conversation is that again you have a contract situation the guy wants to be paid those things are distractions I know I know when you go into contract years uh, you see the best of somebody have we seen the best of Levian uh, I mean Roethlisberger needs to be on the field to really make Levian the best and I think Roethlisberger as he does year in and year out is going to miss two to three games. Something's going to go wrong with Roethlisberger. He's he's played too long. He's beat up a little bit. So if you want to make the case for David Johnson, I think that's where you begin. Levian kind of in his own head right now. The money is going to be amazing for whatever Levian does get. And then you have the Roethlisberger health issue where those two kind of have to work together for his true PPR value to come uh, to fruition. With David Johnson, there's kind of a constant. You know what you're kind of getting out of them. There's all these whispers of 30 touches a game. Uh, Carson Palmer is going to work him in Bruce. It's so funny too, that David Johnson has turned into this number one guy when just a few years ago, Bruce Arians didn't even want to give rookies that much credence. And now he's not a rookie anymore. He gets all the love in the world and we're up to 30 touches a game. I think you could make a strong case for David Johnson just because again, less mileage, a little bit less mileage than Levy and bell. Um, there has been injuries with Levy uh, as early as last year. Um, the, the wear and tear on David Johnson might come back to bite fantasy owners in 2018, not 2017. So that might be why you could give him a slight edge over Levian right now with all the distractions in Pittsburgh. Plus one other addendum to that. Connor seems to be in, in the Steelers situation seems to be the second coming. That guy has the most Jersey sales in the NFL over the last few months. I saw <laughs> um, it's just Connor, fascinating. So someone, uh, I think it was Chad Parsons from uh, under the helmet dynasty was on with me Monday and I was asking about a late round dart throw. And he said, James Connor, he, there you go. He basically said, you know, with him being the lead backup, there is, there is one Le'Veon Bell injury standing between him and massive fantasy production. And no one's talking about him at all. So, um, but the Jersey sales kind of like, I don't know if it's kind of like smoke signals. If he's selling that many jerseys, I know there's a lot of Steelers fans and Steeler nation is right. big, but Connor, really? I mean, there's some other names in that draft where you look at rookie jersey sales and Connor's getting that love. Uh, th- there's something, something there. And just, just everybody, real quick on Le'Veon Bell, um, to what you point, you talked about David Johnson in volume. Le'Veon Bell, I know his touchdowns weren't great last year. He scored nine, t- well, nine times in twelve games. It, it, only compared to David Johnson, that wasn't great. Um, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, twenty-eight touches and 157 yards from scrimmage per game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, monster. 
Yeah, it's again, it's and there was the injury down the stretch um, where it just again, I, I I really think when you make that decision to pick up Levy and then again, he had the two game suspension last year, right? I'm getting his suspensions mixed up. Yes, he missed the three missed games. first three games. So you have that on top of looking at his entire body of work. But again, the volume um just uh, amazing for Bell when you consider that Antonio Brown also enjoys heavy volume um, and, and how that all shakes out. Because, again, Roethlisberger is on uh, in the twilight of his career. I think you really do need to give pause and look at Roethlisberger's health uh, as a direct uh, factor when looking at Le'Veon Bell's ceiling. All right. Um, everybody, we would like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. You can sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Football now at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Also, check us out on Twitter. <laughs> Ryan's Twitter handle is free at Free Agent Fowler, which I think is outstanding. Um, and I'm at jhalpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire, get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or find us on Facebook. By the way, I want to revisit one thing. Um, yeah. We, speaking of free agents... And speaking of James Conner and the Steelers, we went to this, as I think I told you, I went to a charity three-on-three basketball event yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I played. Um, the Dillon brothers, Ty and Austin Dillon, NASCAR drivers, uh, hosted for, for a, pediatric tra- a pediatric trauma center. And, um, and D'Angelo Williams was there. And, uh, really? Yeah. And he, and he was doing play-by-play. D'Angelo Williams was, my kids think, now think he's the funniest, greatest guy ever. And he turns out he lives in the neighborhood next to me. Which we talked about because the kids took a picture with him. Um, which which goes to say, nice house, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sorry, it's it's outside the gates of D'Angelo. Oh, then, I want to point out. Yeah, there you go. De- but, Devil is in the details. So he's doing play by play of this thing, and the guy didn't take a breath for probably two straight hours. Wow! And, and the whole thing. I mean, his shtick was he's talking about he he's like he's like all right, uh, Steve Kerr passes to Mountain from Game of Thrones. He was going over to soccer sock, and it was just like he just was not. He was heckling people like it was actually pretty funny. But, and we um, saw what his trash talk skills were when the Cowboys uh, fans came after him. Like, yeah. He didn't want to play in Dallas. He he actually trash talked my son who was wearing a Giants jersey. Oh, uh, know your audience. <laughs> know your audience. Gotta, oh, well, actually, what he said was, "Oh, my boy's a Cowboy fan." I guess. Uh, and Luke, we go. Yeah, it was pretty funny. All right, um, we're going to talk running backs. Like I said. And I want to point out ahead of time, everybody, for people who have been listening to me for the first, uh, this is the end of my second week, week, sorry, on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today will be a no mixin, no lynch podcast. We will not talk. I've talked about them too much. I'm not going to talk about them anymore. And I realize that for 45 minutes to an hour, four days a week, you can revisit subjects too often. And those guys I'm revisiting too often. I think you and I probably talked about lynch the last time we, we were on. So we, we did. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it today. And because you're in Cincinnati, I probably talk mixing. I'm not going to do that today. So we're, they're out. Okay. I don't hear about them anymore today. That we're going to take a weekend, a long weekend off from Joe Mixon and Marshawn Lynch. And I'm not going to rant about them. <laughs> um, the, the rankings that I looked at from you. And again, we, we talked before we went on about how, you know, the rankings are a little, a little dated that we did, that we published. But I want to revisit, you know, it, it, they represented some early opinions, feelings, whatever you want. Yes. To, assessments on Correct. people. Correct. You were not on the Jay Ajay train last we talked. And it doesn't mean you hate him. Everything's relative to ADP and all, you know, and, and ranking and all that stuff. You had Jay Ajay outside the top 10. And, and most people probably have him six or seven at running back. Why do you, are you not? Some people are all in and you're not. And I want you to tell us why. 
Yeah, real simple. Um, well, a couple things. Uh, one, the one stat that I love that keeps <laughs> it's funny. I think every two to three days, and again on Twitter at Free Agent Fowler, is that the what is it? Twenty-two percent of Jay's yardage last year came on seven carries. I mean, that's one. It's one of my favorite off-season stats that I think a lot of people are going to come back to. Maybe it's a crutch, but again, he did have uh, some breakout games. And then I was looking again, breaking it down of looking back to May when I made that ranking. I do remember one, he's not playing the Bills for 16 games. Two, he failed to reach 80 rush yards in all, but I think four games. In those four games, he went over 100 yards. Um, and he only had two touchdowns the last eight games. I know the reasoning of why he's top 10, because again, it's like looking back, um, looking back to when you have that depth chart, who else is going to run the ball type thing? Damian Williams, it's one of those things where volume was the case that we have made in the past, you and I, of why he should be in the top 10. But again, look at those, look at the second half of his season, not the Bills game. And I think that is a big reason why he's outside the top 10. Now, volume, if he's getting 20 touches and they're saying that his pass catching's through the roof and he's ever he's got to prove it. And I think going into draft season, there's a lot of reasons why I'm a little nervous to really buy into that. Because if you go out there and you get 15 to 18 carries for 70 yards, are you really winning the day? Or is there somebody else in that top 10 that can win the day for you? All right. And, and he's going, just so, you, so everybody knows, the latest I've seen, seventh or so at running back and probably at the turn sec, uh, for a second round. Um, you were also a little higher on Frank Gore mm-hmm. than most people. And, and I think we don't – look, the cliff could come at any time for Frank Gore. We know that. At his age, we know that. But we've, been say, we've also all been predicting that for a long time. And, and I will say that coming into this season, the thing that people are pointing out, you know, well, Gore and, you know, the yards per carry under four yards, whatever. Um, but, but people are pointing out, oh, Robert Turbin. I'm like, come on, Robert Turbin. <laughs> um, so Frank Gore, you see like how high, where, where do you trust Frank Gore? What stage of a draft? Yeah. And I think that's a fair question. And, and again, revisiting this and, and really diving in ahead of doing this podcast with you. I, I realized I was a little bullish. I, I think that's completely fair. I think Gore in that system. And again, there's a lot of moving parts to that system because uh, do we still trust the Colts offensive line? Are they, are they, are they, are they there yet? Is Andrew Luck going to be able to make it through 16 games, even though he's, he's on the road to recovery. Plus again, I really do like that passing game. If luck does play 16 games, but again, the thing with Gore is we've always written him off. We've, we've, uh, and again, the joke has been made that father time just does not really apply to Gore. I mean, it's funny, oddly quick tangent. I met his cousin, uh, Tanar Davis, uh, at a function a few months ago. And I asked him, how does Gore keep doing this? And he is, he just stays in great shape. And I know it's kind of a profound statement, but that does matter when you're looking at analysis, when you're talking to the cousin of a guy that you're saying, could be your RB two. I think nine's too high. I'll admit that. I think Gore, man, if if you're in a two wide receiver, what are what are you most likely playing this year, John? Are you playing th- must start three wide receivers or two and then the flex with wide receiver or super flex or whatever? Little little mix. I'm I'm pl- I'm all over the place with the types. Of all right, guys. so let's let's just say you're playing in a classic two wide receiver set and you're looking to draft Gore. I mean. Again, I, the whole trend in this industry, the more I look at these mocks on my Twitter feed, 
quarterbacks are just going tomorrow. They're not even in the 15 rounds. They're, they are, everybody is waiting. So if you're looking to fill that RB2 slot, I'd probably be there around the fourth or fifth round if, if he falls that long. Uh, great. But I think somewhere in that 15 range has to be where I go to Gore and say, is the rookie going to push him? Is he going to stay healthy? Because again, the guy doesn't miss time. And then you look at his age, he's like, he's bound to miss time. But we're saying the same thing about LeBron James. Some people in their sports are just freaks in nature where they don't go on uh, IR. They don't miss time. And you have to kind of give a tip of the cap there and, and make a, make a claim for it. So I admit nine too high, but I still think he should be in the top 15. And again, I don't see the, uh, the draft picks in front of me at the moment, but if you could get them uh, in that fourth round to fill out the RB two, that might be the direction I'd go. But it, again, I, I've, I've done enough mocks this year um, ahead of this podcast where I, the wide receivers out there, you're really going to have to grab them early because those the run on wide receivers is just, it's going to scare you into taking them. And, and you might, you might not get Frank Gore because you're so concentrated on wide receivers. Yeah. Frank Gore, um, is last I ADP wise going round six or seven in a lot of cases. Yeah, and okay, so but that seems lower than RB fifteen, right? Oh, where, yeah, where's, way lower. Yeah, he's yeah, down, he's so, down outside the top twenty five. See, and that's it's it's it's, it's is, an overreaction to his age. I, I get it, and I think that there's that injection of rookie running backs that kind of moves some people around. Um, to push Gore down because, again, as anybody who's heard any podcasts that I've been on, they are shiny new toys, and everybody can't wait to play with them. That does that also does Gore a disservice to push him because, again, in that case, he's not even a RB two; he's a flex. Which, again, you could make a case for, but I really think, uh, again, looking at the depth chart, I, I, I buy Gore that he can do it again. Uh, in 2017, I might be wrong, and I know your mo is to get out early. But in that, in Gore's case, when have you got out three years ago? Yeah, I would have, and I did. But the, here's the right. thing: I got out three years ago on Gore, and a, it turned out wrong, and b, now at this point, because well, he's, he's 34, right? At yeah. this point, he doesn't cost me much. Like, I, like I say about right. the other guys, I don't want to make the investment yeah. on the older guy. Because he could fall off the cliff. Frank Gore, I mean, you know, sixth or seventh round for a guy with a lead back job. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't need him to get 1,500 yards. Right. Um, and going back. Yeah. Go ahead. Go I was going to say, he gets 1,000 yards from scrimmage and eight touchdowns. I'm, I'm happy where, if I have, where I have to draft him. Yeah. And just to kind of go back to ADP, now that I do see it in front of me, um, looking at that seventh round ADP, I, okay, so let's go back to that fourth and fifth round. When I was doing mocks earlier this summer, I mean, I was finding good value at tight end in the fourth round. I was finding good value at a wide receiver three in the fourth or fifth round. So I could see him falling out the uh, outside the top five rounds uh, if you're going that direction. I just think that if you're looking to fill that RB2 slot, there's a lot of risk with a lot of the names around there. I mean, Spencer Ware with the RB16. Really? I mean, and we'll get to him later on in the conversation, I'm sure. But I just look at Gore and, and with that system, because let's say that Luck does most of the damage with his arm, moves the chain, and then Gore becomes Joseph Adai and finishes off the drive. Like, it just he's one of those situations where it's not the end of the world if he doesn't get 20 touches, but if he's finishing drives, uh, I think he does have some value, mo- more so in, uh, in standard leagues. But he did get involved in the passing game last year, which is a huge benefit to his fantasy value. Yeah, and just so, not that this, uh, s- some statistic, not that this helps you decide on Frank Gore for this year. Did you know? <laughs> Frank Gore's eighth all-time in rushing yards. And 
even if he has, there's a, there's a reasonable chance that he could get to fourth by the end of this year. Because if he plays, if he plays a normal amount of games, he jumps Dickerson, Bettis, and Tomlinson. And he needs 1,037 yards to pass Curtis Martin. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, Frank Gore, because you don't think of Frank Gore like that. I know a lot of this is longevity, but you know what matters. Right. And I think him also changing teams probably uh, kind of skewed some of the consistency and in, in how good he has been uh, after he left San Francisco. Right. OK. Next guy, um, Carlos Hyde, speaking of Frank Gore's old team. Mm-hmm. How much do you trust? I mean, Carlos Hyde's history suggests that the word trust is is a bad word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Shanahan coming in has had some running game success. W- what's your take on You know, what, what, where are you willing to jump in on Carlos Hyde? It's a loaded question mm-hmm. uh, because, again, this guy could be great and it could be one of those steals where if you get 16 games out of Carlos Hyde under Kyle Shanahan wow you could be I mean think about that I mean look at what he did and you mentioned it look what he did with Devonta Freeman and Coleman and kind of rebooting that Falcons rush game uh after Jackson left I I think again trust there's no way I trust Carlos Hyde if you do a one to ten I'm maybe at a five on a good day but it's probably lower than that because again and this was talked about a lot after the draft if Kyle Shanahan's banging on the table to go after Williams in the draft and they bring in Hightower, who's been sneaky, uh, there must not be a lot of trust within the organization, right? And I think, again, Carlos Hyde's durability issues to stay on the field probably also allowed Shanahan to go out and say, I really want Williams in the draft. But I I think there's a lot of moving parts there where you, you kind of peel away the onion layers and say, Shanahan isn't probably completely sold on Hyde himself. If he does... Get in, but again, there was that whisper earlier this week where he could be a surprise cut. So I, I, I think that yeah. that is kind of a microcosm of uh, where you should be at is, man, do everything you can to fade it. And if you get good value on Hyde uh, later in drafts, then you go after it. But I, I think that there's too much cloudiness surrounding that situation, no matter how good of a running back whisperer Shanahan is to kind of go that direction. Yeah, th- third round's probably where you're going to have to get Hyde if you want him. That's a little, pass. A little hard pass. Um, hard pass. And, and Williams is an interesting story. I think we're going to talk about more about him a little later. Um, okay. Again, last we talked, which I think I've said a couple of times, uh, the Vikings, the, the Dalvin cook train has picked up steam over the summer. Um, Latavius Murray starting on the pup list and camp doesn't sound like it's a big deal. You know, it's a it's sort of a procedural move and he'll be back on the field soon enough. Uh, ankle surgery in the off season. Um, safe to say that you think Murray's presence mucks up Dalvin Cook's value, right? Yeah, absolutely. Short answer. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. No, you can. I I love elaboration. It's great. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, okay, so Murray comes from the Raiders, and my big thing was he was finishing drives in the red zone. Uh, He was definitely finishing inside the 10 when Derek Carr was doing so much great things with his arm, working with Amari. And, again, Amari is another conversation since we're running backs. But, I mean, Murray kind of – I know his numbers aren't the flashiest or the sexiest, and there's a lot of people fading Murray because, again, the body of work doesn't – give them enough excitement to say, I'm going to pick Murray over Dalvin cook. I just think when you mesh the two together, Murray finishing off the drives again, if this ankle is fine and and he gets back and everything's great. 
I know they took him in the second round. I know that there's a lot of fanfare for Dalvin Cook. But again, I, I did this study on these rookies uh, before I left Fox. It's you really have to get lucky when you go after these running backs. And I know the study that I did talked about running backs after the third round. So those flyers that you want to take are, are definitely uh, one in a million. You, you get an Alfred Morris and Cook in the second round has a little bit more stability, but he's still a rookie. He's still in an offense that isn't the flashiest where I think uh, that's the reason they drafted him. It's going to be a lot of pressure on him to do a lot of things to again, fill the shoes of AP, right? Um, I also think again, when you're finishing off drives, it's going to be Murray over cook as long as he's healthy and uh, the fantasy points will rack up because Murray's the one finishing drives and maybe not so much of a volume based uh, production situation. Okay. Um, yeah. Right now cook is going, uh, I'm actually looking, he's, he's going high draft. ADP wise, he's going round five. Eight, both ADP wise and uh, I'm looking at fantasypros.com consensus rankings, which is always helpful. Yeah. Um, 24th running back. I think I'm out at that price on Cook. Is it? No, let me ask you this, John. And so we can have at least a little back and forth. Otherwise, I always feel like I'm under the hot white light. <laughs> it, it, uh, where were you on the night? No, um, with Dalvin Cook, are you out because he's a rookie or more so because of the situation he's in in Minnesota? I, I think that. It's not because he's a rookie. I don't think Murray's great, but he's okay and might get some uh, red zone carries. Um, McKinnon, <laughs> you can make fun of me about McKinnon all you want. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm out this year. Okay, I'm not, you know, I've, that Kool-Aid has been, is, <laughs> has been uh, is out of my system. But, <laughs> but he can catch the ball a little, and I don't know that necessarily he doesn't fit at all anymore in some kind of role. Right. And I think... And look, it's funny, these, these running back twos, which Cook kind of sneaks in at the bottom of that level, they don't have to get 1,200 yards, and Cook can catch the ball. But, but I, I feel like this says Cook is the man, and I'm not sure that Cook's not part of a committee-ish something going on there because there's three guys, not two, and they all can fit somehow. So that's all. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't know how much work Cook is going to get, and, and I and I just hesitate based on that. And the one other thing that I just again the way coaches are in this league when you get a grizzled vet like Zimmer, what if uh, what if Cook fumbles in weeks one and two? I mean, do you the rookie get in the doghouse earlier type situation when you have somebody like a Zimmer? I know Zimmer's health and and his role with the team isn't so much offensive minded and we'll see because he does have to like kind of get healthy and there's just seems like there's some cloudiness to uh, his situation just because of his health issues uh, off the field. But it, I always look at it when you have these veteran coaches and you have a rookie go out there and kind of trip up. If there is that trip up, do they get in the doghouse earlier? Right. And I think that I'm looking at the names after this and there's nobody down here who's some, you know, at this level of the draft who you can count on as a 20 carry workhorse because they, and they almost don't exist so much anyway right but the guys after him like well well question mark certainly but cj anderson yep mir abdullah yep mark yeah. ingram yep all over yeah. dalvin cook for me right so i'm with you there and i get dalvin cook. i mean it's funny dalvin cook at the end of the college season a lot, a lot of people thought dalvin cook might be a top 10 pick and then yes. and then all the pro scouts got involved and i was like oh no he's not that and you know what the combine he ran slow didn't he something like yeah that. yeah yeah all right. Well, there, there's just too much time between the end of the college season and the draft, and everybody everybody that was up on a pedestal gets knocked down, a few, right. it seems like. All 
Are you a Ty Montgomery believer? Short answer is no, because I'm guessing. Let me take a gander real quick at his price tag right now. I I thought what what owners got out of Ty Montgomery? Yeah, he's RB19. What owners got out of Ty Montgomery, myself included, off the waiver wire in the craziest Joe Webb approved. Uh, position split of RB wide receiver. You could, and then there was the whole, what category should he be added to? I, I think they're kind of playing with fire, trying to use him in the role. They are. I, I think the Packers with the offense they have with Cobb, Adams, Jordy, now Martellus Bennett, they're going to do just fine in that passing game where I don't feel that confident based on price tag this year. And I, I, again, I just, I think that the, the Packers offense through the air is going to be so crazy good that me investing an RB pick in Ty Montgomery would be bad business is the way I'll phrase it. Okay, that, that's fair. I kind of like him. Yeah. Um, round four, I'm not sure. Right. If I go there. Um, I think I'd rather wait on some of the guys I mentioned earlier. The price tag's a little... A little yeah, I mean, I have him at 17th, but I can see the, I can see the downside a little bit, I guess. Um, I mean, they, they are saying really nice things about the way he's picked up the position. I'll say that. I, yeah, I, I and think Gabe, the question mark is, can he block? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it was answered a bit last year, and I just, quite frankly, don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I mean, all I, all, when you say Ty Montgomery, all I picture is that game against the Bears where he it was like zero degrees out, and he got the chalk all over his jersey, and he just balled out at the perfect time for fantasy owners. So there might be a little bit of a hangover for people that enjoyed that um, because, again, he did step up at, at a big time. Uh, for fantasy owners, but there were also letdowns during that four week stretch. And I just look at it from, I know he's adapted to that running back role, but it, it, are, are they trying to fit a square peg into a round hole for an entire season? Because they, they had to go Montgomery based out of need last year. Cause Lacey just wasn't working and all the people they shuffled in there. It just, they needed somebody to step up and he did his best. And now when you look at a 16 game season, can Ty be that guy is, is kind of a question mark when Aaron Rodgers loves throwing that football, loves having the camera on him, and he has 15,000 weapons. I just look at it from that standpoint where um, if Montgomery finishes off a drive, maybe like Eddie Lacy did uh, in the early part of his career, okay, yeah, he's probably worth the pick. But price tag's a little steep, and I really think the Packers um, are just going to dominate through the air, so Montgomery becomes uh, more of a flex option for me than RB2. Okay. Um, everybody, we've got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week. Ryan, like when I beat you, I feel the wins every when we play in leagues together. It's great. Beat you, beat you in the championship last year. Good yeah, talk. You did, you big jerk. Um, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field, it's football in its funnest, best form where there's no such thing as excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk that your league can muster, like I just smack talked Ryan and he got me back pretty quick. That app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, allowing you to draft, trade, and comb waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo, where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. All right, back to more running backs. Ravens, Kenneth Dixon, done. 
Um, the, that repaired meniscus became a torn meniscus, and he's done for the season. So now it is a Terrence West, Danny Woodhead backfield. As I said to someone on Wednesday, Terrence West, a little cheap here. It's not going to stay cheap, is he? Oh, no. And, and again, now with Flacco hurt, I mean, we'll, we'll see if he's good to go for the regular season. I know it's early and all so, that. It sounds of like he's probably fine. They seem to think yeah. he's going to rest for a week and be OK with it back injury, by the way. Right. So, again, I was really high on Woodhead with Dixon out the four games for the suspension. Um, I, I, Terrence West, maybe I'm hungover from his tenure with the Browns, but he did show this weird burst. And you do mention the price tag. I, I, I mean, it's going to be evident that uh, his price tag is going to go up with Dixon out for the year. But I, I was so high on Woodhead uh, in PPR formats, which I mentioned at the top of this podcast is which I, what I focus on. I mean, I, I just I'm not going to go out of my way to get Terrence West unless it's really late. Um, the Ravens offense kind of is what it is, and it's just not that flashy. But again, in PPR settings, Danny Woodhead has made chicken soup out of chicken droppings before. Uh, and I really think him and Flacco are going to work great together. And that's the guy to own. I, I just, I'm not going to go out of my way to say that Terrence West is a guy I want to own or a guy I need to own just because Kenneth Dixon is out. I'll keep all my concentration on, on Woodhead. All right. Two notes there. Uh, one, Terrence West cost is round nine. So that's awfully cheap, at least for now, like I said. Um, and it won't stay that way. The other thing is with Woodhead, I like Woodhead. Okay, and PPR, we all love Woodhead. But we're just kind of, I, I feel like, and it's not like he's going really high. I think his draft stock's going to go, uh, going to increase, let's say. But I think we're all just assuming that Danny Woodhead is going is, is, is to come back and be fine. Okay, okay, let me stop you. you so we'll equate this to the Dion Lewis corollary of yeah. 2016. Well, I, I mean, Dion Lewis didn't cost my. I, I, I know, and, and I, I went into on the unloads. You're right. And, and, okay, data point there, I paid for it. Right. And Danny Woodhead, I think we're all just kind of like, oh, yeah, Danny Woodhead's going to come back and catch, you know, 60 passes. Okay, maybe. I, I mean, and it's not, he's not costing you a ton. I get it. I just feel like right now we're all looking at it and going, you know, well, he, and, and I'm not just saying you, you just said he's the back to own. I mean, based on price, he's not expensive. He's, you know, seventh round or so. But, but I think when you look at the gaps in that offense year over year, there are areas where Woodhead is going to have to fill those voids left by players that are no longer yeah. on the roster. All right. I mean, I like Woodhead. But what, I already had West at running back 26, and that was before Dixon got hurt. I like West. Wow. I mean, he's not great, wow. but I think he's underrated. And I think he, well, now he's going to get his share early. I mean, the, the early down carries, they are all his. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, West had some nice moments last year. I just think, again, getting too, and, and th- this is timely because of the Dixon injury, but getting too focused on the Ravens offense probably isn't going to allow you to win a championship. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't know if, if we focus on the Ravens for more than two minutes, if it's going to help somebody win a champion. It might. Terrence West might. might come out there and ball out. But I, I, I think if we're putting odds on that, it, it's probably unlikely. Um, Terrence West has had, I, I mean, this is his third life. Browns, Titans, and now Ravens. Yeah, um, something has to kind of give there. It seems odd to me, but um, he is from that area, right? Mm, yeah, Baltimore, right? Yeah. yeah, went to Towson, right? 
Um, how do you think the Forte Powell thing is going to shake out with it? Powell, by the way, Bilal Powell, that I, I don't think people realize he had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he's more of a he, he's a really good receiver. I, he's the guy I always hope would get his chance, and I always pick him late. And last year, I think if I remember right, I probably cut him before you know I got the payoff because I went, all right, you know, it's week it's week eight enough. But I can't wait for Bilal Powell anymore. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at the last, what, five weeks. I, the funny thing is I was so big on Powell uh, last year that I can like, if I close my eyes, I can picture the last five weeks game logs. Maybe it was the last four weeks. I mean, he dominated. And I know this goes, Forte is kind of interesting. He's kind of like Frank Gore in a lot of ways where it's like, oh, well, Matt Forte just go away. So I don't have to guess what Matt Forte is going to be. They're going to coexist, but man, go back and look at Powell's game logs. Those last four or five. I mean, you mentioned it, the, the yards from scrimmage over 1100 yards, he's going to be involved. And, and I I think if the price tag RB, what is six round right now, man, I'm all over that. I I think Bilal Powell is, is a bargain. And it's again, the jets aren't the the most enjoyable uh, franchise to either follow or, or whatever, especially where they're at now. But man, it can work with Powell. I, I truly believe that that value is there, um, and and I'm a believer that he can pick up where he left off at the end of last year. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with Powell too. I'm with Powell ahead of Forte for sure. Sure. And where I have, I actually have him down outside. He's in. He's sort of in Flexville. But um, where he always shakes out just because the way that the the names fall. Right. I mean, it's right. And you have a running back committee there. It's just kind of how it shakes out. It's like, wow, I really don't want to keep pushing Powell down the list. But look at these other names. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Running back twos, guys near the end, guys I mentioned or a couple of guys we mentioned earlier. I want to ask you your level of trust and you can rank them if you want. Sure. C.J. Anderson, Mark Ingram, Spencer Ware. Who do you like best? Ingram, Anderson, where? I I think I know AP is going to scare people off with Ingram. I still think that there's a little juice left in there. CJ Anderson, I don't think he's going to stay healthy. I mean, if Devontae Booker's out now and CJ Anderson, uh, I, I, again, yeah, I just haven't seen the consistency I need out of CJ Anderson to feel confident. So you can make that argument versus Mark Ingram with a timeshare with AP. Um, the Chiefs just are always kind of confounding, and I, Kareem Hunt is going to be rookie of the year by the time we hit like week four or something. It wouldn't shock me just the way that Andy Reid kind of rotates those names in there. But I like Ingram. I mean, five yards per carry in in, in a in a timeshare last year, it, I, I, and then the Saints are just always moving the football. Um, if AP burns me, so be it. Uh, but I CJ Anderson's last two seasons just have me completely out. Um, plus, you have two young quarterbacks there. I, I'm just kind of hitting the pause button on CJ Anderson. So I don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, I like Ingram out of the, or I trust Ingram the most uh, out of the three. See, I, I have Ware first and I know that Kareem hunts there and people seem to really like him, but I mean, Ware averaged almost a hundred yards from scrimmage a game last year. I mean, he's pretty good. Yeah, but Andy Reid also ignored Travis Kelsey for the last three years up until the end of last year. He, they do things that just don't make sense. And I, I like Spencer Ware. I mean, I owned him, I think, in two leagues last year. I just, again, from a trust factor, 
that team is just they they take the Yahtzee and they shake it and then they throw it out on the table and it's a lot like Bill Belichick in his in his situations where who do you really trust? Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. I don't know. I I have where ranked higher than most people. So right. if Kareem Hunt takes over, yeah, I'm toast in that case. Okay, interesting news out of Detroit. The the beat writer on the Lions website, this is Wednesday, expects Theo Riddick to be more involved this year. As an Amir Abdullah truther, this upsets me. <laughs> and Eric Ebron truther. And Eric Ebron truther, that's right. Imagine him throwing to Theo Riddick in the red zone while Ebron's <laughs> standing around again. <laughs> saying, I only got one touchdown last year. Can I get a little more, guys? Come on. <laughs> Um, where are you? Theoretic is, I mean, last year he was hurt a little bit. He still caught 50. I mean, think, you look at Theoretic. Year before last, he got 80 passes. Last year, he played 10 games and caught 53. So PPR, he's a, he's a monster. Um, what, where are you? Do you, it's in the standard league. Could you, do you think the Theoretic red zone buzz is worth going after? I would not touch Theo Riddick in a standard league. That that's a simple hard no for me. Tenth round, no way. Tenth round, you're not touching Theo Riddick. Ah, uh, standard league, right. tenth round, Theo uh, Riddick. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. Okay. Because again, that's where I get really creative. On do you go? Maybe you look at some other rookies off the board. Um, but yeah, I think if a veteran with a proven track record. Oh yeah, you probably twist my arm and say yes. I, I, I will say this. Uh, Theo, you, you mentioned 10 games played. He had wrist surgery on both wrists in the off season, but that doesn't really determine he's supposed to be fine. But uh, I mean, he's catching so many passes. Those wrists are a little tender. Um, but yeah, I, I think Theo Riddick uh, is, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of Bilal Powell type tendencies in PPR leagues that made him alluring in, in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can get him, great, but standard league 10th round, yeah, I mean, there's there's enough veteran presence there. Plus, again, the other thing people need to remember with Theo Riddick, his volume of opportunity is also a byproduct of Calvin Johnson not being there anymore. Because, again, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, they do their darndest, but there also has to be other guys to catch uh, Safford's uh, passes, right? Right. Okay, yeah, Theo Riddick. You know what I do sometimes when, when I'm talking to people on these things? I sit there and we start talking to people. And while, while, you know, before we start talking, I'll, you know, pull up the stats on a player. And then I'll go, why the heck do, do I have this guy ranked so low? Yeah, so right. I, I, like I might little, literally real time bump him up a little bit. To- yeah, and that happens because, again, like what I was just saying, um, I can't remember what we were just discussing, but I think it was Bilal Powell. It's like, oh, all of a sudden you blink and he's in Flexville. But yeah. I don't want him in Flexville. But then you go back and you're looking at those names. It's like, oh, now I see why he's in Flexville because – Again, there's there's some name brand, and then to your point on a lot of your your uh, conversations as far as why you like this, it's it's volume. And when you're in a timeshare between Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick's going to keep getting bumped down because Amir's just kind of hanging there. And that's been the Lions' situation for a long time. I mean, how long have they had running back by committees? I know. It's just been forever. I mean, Javid Best, Kevin Smith. Uh, who else am I? I mean, I, I'm blanking on other names, but it's just been forever. It seems like they haven't been able to really uh, fit that lead guy in there and say, okay, 15 to 20 carries go. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an Abdullah guy, and I thought last year he was going to get his chance. The thing is, he can, I think he can catch the ball a little bit too, which would which yeah. make it interesting. Um, right. All right. 
Everybody, Otta New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and college players in the player pool. You can stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop a team over multiple seasons. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. I mean, you know, playing with college players, that's hardcore right there. That's, <laughs> that's beyond my pay grade sometimes. I look at that and I go, that's hard. And I play in a college oh. fantasy league, too. And I always applaud the guys that play in those leagues that have families and, and multiple children because <laughs> wh- what are they doing that, 11 o'clock at night? I, I just, I mean, it's it's tough. It's dedication. I, I completely agree. All right. Um, that's Ottenew Fantasy Football. Thanks, Ottenew. O-T-T-O-N-E-U. Ottenewfootball.com. Um, Eddie Lacy. I was going to make a derogatory, put a derogatory adjective in front of that, and I decided not to. <coughs> <laughs> you could not pay me to draft Eddie Lacy, especially where I think he's going to have to go, which is round five or so. Could I pay you to draft Eddie Lacy? No, sir. I, I'm I'm still in a boat that we haven't seen the last of Thomas Rawls as far as being efficient and in, in producing. So the addition of Rawls or the addition of Lacy doesn't really sit well with me. I, I think Seattle gets creative in the ways that they try and upgrade their roster. Sometimes on the cheap, sometimes they pay Matt Flynn a ton of money. Um, it's one of those things where I, I think Eddie Lacy is, is a hard pass for me um, because I, I'm more likely to get burned on that than to have any type of ceiling where I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I did this. Like Eddie Lacy's ceiling just isn't really appealing. And I, I apologize for rhyming. That was awful. That's really good. Actually. I liked it. Uh, poet and i didn't even know it <laughs> right. but yeah i'm a hard pass on lacy okay um yeah i don't want to talk about lacy anymore i hate that I, <laughs> I, I, he makes me angry as a fantasy player um all right jaquiz rogers is an interesting guy here's why um doug martin suspended for the first three games when doug martin was out last year jaquiz rogers like overall average 4.3 i think the game people remember first is the, the Monday night game at Carolina, which I was at, where he, he basically, on the first drive, he got the ball, I think, every play or something. It was ridiculous. And he winds up over 100 yards, and they win. Now, he, he goes 30 for 101 that night, which you go, oh, that's just a volume thing. And look at that little guy getting all those carries. Well, Chris Rogers, he had, he had a couple hundred-yard games. He played pretty well. Doug Martin suspended. So for the first three weeks of your season – Jaquiz Rogers is a start. He, he is a solid fantasy start. After the first three weeks, I, I don't know what happens. Does Martin get hurt again? Does Rogers play well enough that they keep using him at least for, you know, half the time or so? I don't know. And he's going in round 10. And you're like, well, I mean, there, there's upside here. For the first three weeks, that, that could be your second running back. And after that, I, maybe he still could. I mean, this this start, the more I look, he seems like a bargain to me. What do you think? Let me bounce one thing back at you, and then I'll answer the question. If you say ADP a 10th round, would you take Theo Riddick or Jaquiz Rogers? Because I'd take Theo Riddick in without a, blinking. In a, in a PPR league, I would take Theo Riddick. What about standard? I Jaquiz? Think, I think I'd take Jaquiz because of the upside. Because, okay. The, well, okay. So when you, you – and you gave me these notes ahead of time. So I, I looked into – uh, Tampa Bay schedule. They got the Dolphins, Bears, and Vikings weeks one through three. Yeah. Okay. 
with what, what do we know? I mean, again, if we take whatever we know from the end of last year and two of the games are on the road, which is never fun, especially early on in the season. Cause again, you're still getting the kinks out. I, I I'm, I'm not buying it. And then one other quick thing before I get into the actual Jaquiz analysis after those first three weeks, giants, Patriots, Cardinals, mm. that could be bumpy. So the way I look at your quiz is okay. Whether he and Doug Martin have a timeshare after week three, I mean, I think we're kind of burying the lead of how I view Tampa Bay right now. They're going to let Jameis chuck it. I mean, you're not bringing in Deshaun Jackson and you have Mike Evans and you draft OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. I mean, there's a lot of way. And I know Jameis, his numbers weren't clean last year and they need to get clean for this team to take the next step. And I don't think they're going to do it through Jaquiz Rogers weeks one through three. That's how I'm kind of viewing it. I think they need to come out in those games against the Dolphins, Bears and Vikings, get Jameis's confidence up because that Giants Patriots Cardinals trio, that ain't going to be fun for Jameis. All right. I mean, they let him carry the ball last year and they ran late last year. I don't know. I mean, last the final two weeks, he carried 15 and 17 times. I don't know. Yeah, and, and maybe they maybe they protect Jameis. But I look at it, it's like, man, Jameis did some nice things last year. But when you look at his whole body of work, it was there's some clunkers. I mean, it was it was clunky for as well as Mike Evans played. You would have thought Jameis Winston had a great year, but it wasn't as clean as people think. And uh, I, I really believe that that first three weeks, they're going to have to get him riled up in, in, in a good place to compete against the Giants, Patriots and Cardinals. Cause that trio, those la- those next three games, when Martin's back and they have Jaquiz, uh, all, all uh, people on deck for that. I, I just, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to rent Jaquiz for three weeks. And then again, like you said, who knows after that, um, I, I, I I'll take Theo Riddick. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I'm not going out of my way, but round 10 and I know Theo Riddick's yeah. round 10 too. Right. Okay. Um, give me a couple of backups. Guy, I, I'm not a. I, rather than being a handcuffer, I'm more of a. I think this second stringer it, it has a chance to take over. Who do you think fits that category? Sort of a later round guy who can can make the leap into a starting role. Well, yeah, and I think that the unison in fantasy world is going to be Samaje Perrine, right? I mean, everybody seems to be Washington doesn't know what they're doing. They're running back. So Samaji Perrine is going to always kind of be at the top of the list. I really look, and, and we talked about him earlier. I mean, Williams out in San Francisco, uh, I'm going to buy a share of that if I can get it late. I, I think the Carlos Hyde question mark scares me enough where I'll invest a pick uh, in, in a, a Joe Williams. Um, and then again, I know, I know what the, the qualification was at the top, but if we're saying Joe Mixon, and I, I apologize. If that guy is quote unquote, the starter or based on ADP is the start. I, I think Jeremy Hill is somebody that could hold on to that yeah. for the, the course of the year. I mean, again, the Bengals aren't the sexiest running team and they they've hit a lot of walls, but I, I'm not completely sold that Joel Mixon is going to completely take it away from Jeremy Hill where Jeremy Hill has no fantasy value and can't really help you in a standard league. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I understand that, you know, that they drafted Mixon at a place where they probably want him to play. But, you know, Jeremy, and I know that Jeremy Hill has been disappointing, but Jeremy yes. Hill in round 10. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take that bet. Yeah. Um, I'm there too. I'm totally there. The, the other one and someone else, uh, again, I mentioned Chad Parsons earlier was on with me on Monday. He sort of went into the, he's a dynasty guy. So he, he works on the college players probably more than I, way more than I do. And he was the one that he was basically complaining about. It. He was, you know, saying Joe, Joe Williams's metrics are awful. 
and he's 24 years old. And no, no, no. And he, and he said, don't forget Tim Hightower. Right. Every chance there. Tim Hightower has gotten in the last couple of years. Because remember, a couple of years ago with the Saints, he came in. Yeah. And he went, Tim Hightower? Come on. And Tim yeah. Hightower won two years ago. He won some people fantasy leagues. Adam Meyer beat me in that with, with Tim Hightower. I remember it vividly. And, and the thing about Hightower is he can do a little of everything. You know, he'll, the blocking will keep him on the field and he can catch the ball a little bit. But, you know, and he was basically, he was, he was out of football for a while. And, you know, he came back to the Saints a couple of years ago. And like I said, won people championships last year. He was kind of okay. You know, they let him play. Not a ton, but he got, what, 133 carries. And he was fine. I don't know. If, if the Carlos Hyde thing goes bad, some people think they might trade him. I don't know. I mean, I, I think some people are looking at it saying, you know, assuming Joe Williams, and we probably should not assume Joe Williams if the Carlos Hyde thing doesn't go well. And I think that goes back, and that's a fair point, because that goes back to that research piece I did about running backs drafted after the third round. It's just like you're really looking for that needle in a haystack, and everything has to line up. So more likely than not, or more not likely than it actually happens, is is that going to shake out for the benefit uh, of the fantasy owner who invests? All right, everybody, uh, we're going to wrap it up there today. I'm not going to go in. I was going to mention C.J. Procise, but he's another one who I think I've uh, beaten that dead horse a little bit the last <laughs> two weeks, so I'm not going to do it. But I do like him. Listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit cards required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Go check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Hey, man, this was fun. It was like a reunion. It was great. It, it was great, and uh, uh, appreciate the invite, and uh, hopefully this continues to roll on for the benefit of John Halpin Incorporated. <laughs> All right. Again, Twitter. Uh, I'm at Halpin 37 Ryan is at Free Agent Fowler. You can also catch us at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL. That latter one is mostly player updates. Or you can catch us on Facebook. Check out the Rotowire page on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you over there. If you like this podcast, can you please leave us a review and a rating? That would be really nice. I, I, you know, I've been checking that out. I watch every day hoping for more reviews and ratings from everybody. So, you know, please make me happy and leave those. That's going to be all for this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Monday. So please check back for more great fantasy football info. And like I said, have a nice, long, lynch-free and mix-in-free weekend from this podcast because I will be beating that drum again next week. It's a no-go, especially on Lynch, by the way. For Ryan Fowler, I'm John Halpin. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody.